Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 210 of Cyclocross Radio. Today, we got two races to talk about. We have the Urban Cross at Hutrick, and then we also have the first World Cup race of the year. It took place in Tabor in the Czech Republic. And also, we got the return of Wout Van Erich. So much to talk about in the media pit with Michael and Zach, and we are going to get right to it. First, I want to tell you about Willa's Oat Milk. Go to willaskitchen.com. Get the best oat milk out there. Put in the code CROSSHAIRS20. You're going to get 20% off of your purchase. It's that easy. I don't even have to go into it. It's that easy. Just go do it. Willaskitchen.com. CROSSHAIRS20 is the code. Also, check out everything we got going on at Wide Angle Podium. The slow ride and the consummate athlete, Rob over at Criterium Nation, the Nowhere Fast Boys, everybody putting out stellar content. You should check it all out. Also, head on over to the YouTube page. I got another CXs and Os up there. Really happy with this one. It, it goes into a lot what we're talking about in this show at Urban Cross and just this really tricky off-camber, and I break it down for you all in under five minutes. So go to youtube.com slash wideanglepodium, and you will get that. Finally, finally, Zach and I have uh, started a new project, and we want you to be a part of it. We're going to get you all the news, the commentary, the analysis, the start list, the results, everything you're looking for from Cyclocross videos. These podcasts will be a part of it. It's all going to be in one place, and it's going to be in your inbox. You go to cxhairs.substack.com. You can sign up for the newsletter, and then you are just going to get all of this information right to you so you never have to look again for what the race preview is going to look like or where those race results are because you're going to have them in the morning right to your inbox. cxhairs.substack.com. Sign up for the CXHairs Bulletin. All right. We're in the media pit. It's episode 210. We got Michael. We got Zach. And we're doing it right now. We're back in the media pit. Michael, how's it going? Bill, I'm feeling damn saucy in the words of the immortal Michigander, Diana Ross. Mike's coming out. Sing us a little. Mike Venternout wants the world to know. Got to let them, got to let, I don't know, sorry. I didn't get more than one line. All right. <laughs> Thank you. That was incredible. That. Please subscribe to the Substack because I have a whole uh, album I recorded of cyclists uh, and uh, Michiganders and, uh, you know, soul singers. Just as long as one of the covers isn't Wout There It Is or one of those horrible things that like every <laughs> year somebody thinks it's something cool and original for them to say on Twitter, we'll be all right. We got a two race weekend. We had, uh, it was Ducky Cross, right? Who trick? Irving? Potty Cross? Potty Cross? Urban City cross. cross, urban City cross. cross, but it was a urban X, cross. X2O, most... X2O series, right? Right. And then on Sunday, we jetted to uh, Czech Republic, and we had the first World Cup of the year at Tabor. We're going to start with Hutrick, and actually, we're going to start with an email that we received from Todd. And Todd, Todd says, uh, sorry if this was addressed in the November 25th podcast. I'm not through with it yet. It's okay, Todd. Take your time. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm enjoying watching these races with no crowds this season. It's allowing us to see venues in a more accurate light. To bore that hollowed ground is just a soccer baseball field complex with a clubhouse atop a small hill. Who would have thunk that? I don't know if that would have been the takeaway that I got from this, but what I like about the lack of people at these races is that it means that we get to see not only the venues, but when the cameras are there, there aren't all those like people getting in the way, all the fans and we get much better lines of the actual races. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just born on North American cyclocross. Maybe I like crowd free cyclocross. 
I think, you know, I sent you guys a text uh, when Tabor was on, and I was like, I don't, I don't like this course. And now I'm wondering if my sort of visceral reaction was because there was no one there. And I was like, this is like, I, there was all the baseball diamond. And I was like, it's just a grass field. And look, I understand that cyclocross is field riding, but it's like it, it, it's missing a lot of the features. It seems there's no ditches or like, I don't know. There's something about it that becomes so, um, sterile. When you don't have a lot of people there, maybe. I don't know. Are it's, you sure there were no people there? Because when I closed my eyes, Michael, when we were watching Tabor, <laughs> I could have sworn, sworn it was packed with people. I hated that. I hated the piped-in crowd noise. I I, I'm totally against it. Zach, what do you think about that? You know, I, I think it actually works um, for football. Yeah, I've been watching a little bit of football, and it's like, it works. Uh, it does okay. You know, the NBA did a good job with the bub. It's ridiculous. Although I do have to say when they piped it in just at the end of Copenberg was pretty hilarious when all of a sudden the Copenberg was this like screaming frenzy of fans as like Anne-Marie Worst came over the top of the hill. But yeah, the uh, the crowd noise was ridiculous. I guess to, to get kind of cheesy um, and I'll do it. Uh, I don't know. I always one thing that I always thought was really cool about cyclocross is the sense of place. Like you're in a place. Um, these courses kind of have like different parts and stuff. And so what's been enjoyable for me is getting to kind of piece together where on a course you are, where at a venue. Because I think for me, at least in the Euro races, like I have no idea where I am. I've never been to these venues. I don't know the history of them. And they could be like going side by side. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know where this is. But like, you know, when I'm at Jingle Cross, I'm like, oh, that's there or at track. It's like, oh, here they are. So some of these long shots, I think, have been really cool for me to kind of get that sense of place and the bigger sense of where you're at without the crowd. Um, so I've kind of I've definitely enjoyed that part of it. And I think they've been doing a really nice job with some of those long shots. Uh, they give you a, a better sense of where people are, like how big are the gaps, but two, kind of, where are they? <laughs> yeah, there are definitely, I think a, a lot more opportunities for riders to look back and see, to get a, get a, get a better, a better view and a better understanding of where everybody else is in the race, where sometimes if there are people lined up on both sides of, of a, you know, a, a section, they, they may not get that same, same opportunity other than if it's like, wow. And then everybody's cheering for them and they can just sort of do a little Doppler test and go, Oh, he must be like four seconds back. You know, <laughs> sort of like a, uh, like tiger at the masters. Uh, should we, uh, start with the women at urban cross, uh, you know, talking about the uh, venues and seeing them for what they are. I think for this race, the venue for what it is, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. You know, you got these two, long span bridges and and then the, the the track is on both sides of that so it's it's this, this one's almost like this made for tv race because you know if you're i'm assuming that if you're watching this in person in a year that we can watch it like last year you're you're just fine in your spot and you're stuck on on one side or the other you're not not seeing all of it but a lot of uh tarmac for uh to to ride on and then we had a couple tough off cambers one squirrely sand section, and that was kind of it. Pretty fast, pretty fast laps on this. Uh, what do you, What do you guys think? What, what's your What's your initial takeaway? Just uh, starting off with this women's race. I I want to say that I also love the race. I think that it's super dynamic, and yeah, there's a lot of pedaling, there's a lot of tarmac, but it also is there's a lot of pinch points, as our our buddy Jay Powell likes to say, a lot of speed limits. So you get. A lot of change of speed, which I think can lead to some pretty interesting racing and sometimes like is a handicap for some riders and other riders. It's a benefit. So, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, the woman of the weekend brand, how she sort of played that course. And I was trying to think, you know, coming to this race, you know, she won it last year. So I, I figured this is a course that's set up for her. Um, but that race began, and she's nowhere near the front. Um, so I thought that that was kind of interesting. I went back and looked. Looks like she missed her pedal at the start, and then kind of, kind of got a little chin music for some other rider, and just kind of had to drift back because that you know that first over the bridge and around that traffic circle. I mean, it's it's guns a blazing. It's like super fast. So if you're not in the right position to sort of like make your move, then you kind of have to wait a little bit. One of my favorite parts of this 
track, which I actually just did a uh, CXs and O's on, is is this uh, off camber section that I I think played a played a big role in this this race, and it really was what we've seen the dynamic of the women's field play out that the our our trio of leaders in in worst brand and alvarado kind of want to be at the front they kind of know the rest of the field and yara castline who has been kind of up and down having a good race out front and you know we see early on lap two uh, alvarado wants no part of that and makes a pretty a pretty nasty pass you know like pretty competent diving underneath on this off camber section to get to get up on yara yara fights back gets the lead and is like just crushing it and then gets to the uh, tarmac part and is like putting in this effort and then looks around like hey you guys can help too and they're all like hey if you want to go hard here we're all for it we're just gonna you know be in front of you on the tricky parts yeah, so I pointed this out on the Twitter machine. I mean, I think it's been a reoccurring theme that young Yara, <laughs> uh, we've been wanting her to assert herself. So at least in the early stages, I mean, I think it was encouraging to see her go to the front and do that. Although, I mean, I guess if if I had an impression, I think that I actually didn't find this race very interesting because uh, I think it was pretty apparent it was going to come down to a sprint. Um, early on, I think someone biffed on the off camber, uh, or something and Batsuma got a pretty decent gap and she didn't even try to like turn it into a lead. She was just like, I know this is coming back together. Um, so I actually, I don't know, I, I guess maybe I'm, I'm going against the grain here. I found it to be kind of like pretty uninteresting, uh, to me. Um, I mean, some interesting things happened, but it just, to me, it was clear. I think we're at this point where, um, I don't know. It just seems like there's these courses where everyone just kind of accepts that like, it's not happening. I'm not getting in a break. Like, let's hope that, you know, it's going to be like three or four of us. And I mean, how long was that final trio together for, I mean, well, one person notably exited that lead group. <laughs> yeah, it was, um. it, was, it was a group of four. And I think that, I think that you're right. And I think that even when you, you talk about Betsima and, and she, she she sort of had this problem the whole race, and you're absolutely right. And there were a couple times that she tried to get away, but anytime it got back to the tarmac, she knew she had Brand there, and anybody that was going to be with Brand was just going to be like sitting pretty. Because the thing is, like in these sections, like these super long paved sections, and you see Brand go into her tuck, and is just looks amazing pedaling a bike it's like there's no wasted energy everybody behind her is just like flopping all over the place on their bikes and she's just like this bullet out front not burning any matches just like tempoing away from people and I- i'm sure the rest of, and, and i think that's what that's was like trying to get these little gaps and go okay i just need enough buffer to put up with this and and there's nothing you can do and there's just absolutely nothing you can do i mean brand even like we talk about that off camber Brand crashes on that off camber, you know, slides down, is able to get up, get back on. And it's like, you know, no problem until, and I think it really did just come down to that last lap. The one notable person that was not with the leaders who seems to be having issues every race now, Michael and Henry worse doing the little, uh, DI two uh, bend over there about uh, halfway through the race, uh, trying to figure out what's going on with her bike. Well, she crashed, right? I think we didn't see it on live stream, but she was bending over because she crashed. And then so something happened. She slipped out. Um, but yeah, at the end of the race, she also had a flat. I mean, I guess to go back to Zach's point and your point, Bill, yeah, right. So you see that Betsema was the one who really kind of took this race and was attacking. And my, my question I wrote my note was like, what's her game plan here, right? Because yeah. you're right. So so she can't beat Brandon in a sprint. Um, she's a good technical rider, but she doesn't have that, that, that super... You know, doesn't have the sprint, uh, and so you see her in the last couple laps. She's really lead, she's like leading the race, and I don't know what she's doing. But you also mentioned that Brand crashed right in on the off camber at some point, and she had to come from pretty far back. So it's like this is a course where if you're a rider like Betsema and you can ride a really clean race, I mean, you sort of I guess it is in the other rider's hands where you're hoping that something happens and. You know, something happened to Brand. Something happened to Worst. Uh, Betsema still didn't win. So I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just it. I guess I've seen there's like there's a, a roll of a dice for for a race like this, and and sometimes it's going to come up. You know, 
you're probably gonna, I mean, you're gonna roll brand a lot of the times, but there are opportunities in a situation like this for someone else to take advantage of their mistakes. Yeah, and I think that the the one thing about mistakes on this this uh, track, other than other races we've seen this year where it's basically, you know, one big mistake and it's unforgiven and you're done and your race is over. So it's kind of what happened to worse just because it was at, at a bad, and a, yeah, she she did crash and she was just not a not a factor in this race. The one place that you couldn't have a mistake on this track was really in that last lap. And as we saw, it was really in that on that last off camber because there was not enough time to make up for it. And that's what happened to Alvarado where she pulled, you know, same line that she made that beautiful pass, you know, two laps before gets it wrong, slides underneath the barrier. It's shades of Hooger Heidel once again, you know, where a uh, brand is able to, take advantage of it. And then it's just, it's, it, who is it? It's, it's brand Castelline and, uh, Betsima, uh, Betsima, coming, yeah. coming to the line as a three. And you know, Lucinda brand is just back there sitting behind both of them. She has like a minute on the road just to figure out what her post up's going to look like. And they get to this, you know, it's this <laughs> uphill sprint and it's, it's nothing, you know, it's just like, she knew she had that race one as soon as they, they got off the has grass. There, has there ever been like a, a less, I mean, I don't know. I, I, that was fate. I comply. Like everyone, everyone in, a, in the world watching that race knew what was going to happen halfway through that last lap. It was just like, all right. I mean, that's cool. But like to get back to that, I mean, again, we had Yara in third. She knew what was going to happen. It's like she was playing for third. And I, I mean, I guess maybe this comes back to maybe where she's at and some of those results. But like she was celebrating finishing third. Like, I mean, I think that just gives us a oh, she did a fist pump. She was I, she fist pumped for finishing third. Um I don't, maybe you interpret it different, but she did not make any effort to get to the front of that group. Um what? Wait. Okay. So she she made she she made an effort. That effort may not have like per, proved fruitful. But she like she was the first in the drops. She was all like keyed up and ready to go. But she just she didn't have it. That she could not even come around Betsima. So but did I, she sprint from third? She sprinted from third. And that's my point. Like she Betsima never went around sm- her. Like Betsima smoked her. And I her I thought she slammed the bars. Like damn it. Like. I didn't. Oh, I didn't, was it? Um, yeah. I interpreted it as being excited to finish third because <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe I should have gone back to to watch it again. Uh, so, th- so it was a slam. Okay. It was a slam, well, then, yeah. Well, but then what's she upset about? She didn't even try to get. Her, she sprinted from third. Like she never you made did. a move. She never tried to move up to second. She let Betsima lead the entire way in the last lap again. Like she made no yeah. effort. Zach to channel one of our emails. If you've ever been in a position in a pro race where you had to come from behind, you may not know how hard it is. Fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess that was, and that was, I want to just want to like hit that point again was like, you know, what was, what is Betsima doing? They, she slows down into that final turn. And I'm like, you know, whatever. Like I said, I, I'm not in that position. I don't know. But it seems like if you keep the speed and you're in the front, maybe you have a chance because brand still has to come around you, but whatever. Okay. Uh, well, all right. So anyway, so like we left it on Saturday, we left it Yara. Yara watch was engaged. We were engaged with Yara watch because I think lately she's been hovering ever since we declared her by a uh, slim two to one margin that she's a sub topper. She's been, she's been dangling on that midler line, um, but Yara watch was engaged. So we'll just leave it there. All right, let's move on to the men. The who trick men? It's freaking Wildness. It's like I went to let's do, uh, Wildness. It happened. It did. Was bells it all, were ringing. Was it, was Cowbells it, were ringing. Um, I I hate. I don't really like Christmas music. It's so. all about Wout Van Aert, but it's T Air stealing the show from the line. Right. Coming out, coming out hard. Giving the you, uh, giving think- the sauces a little a li- another lion to have to to have to look after. I mean. They they almost have three people now, Zach, racing. Do you think they do you think uh uh Sven Nyes looked down the bench and is like, hey, <laughs> you get it get out there. 
<laughs> I mean, you'd think they could find at least one of their juniors or one of their U23s, you know, like Cannondale was doing with Lane Maher last year, and just be like, dude, just go hard for a lap. Can we get one lap of you going hard and just get maybe crash crash one of the sauces out? But no. Um, I don't know. I, I think that uh, – can we talk about Tone doing work for the sauces? Is is he trying out for the sauces? Tone did work. Tone did big work. Tell me, what do you what do you what are you referring to? Because I'm well. So it was about. I think it was the second lap. Uh, Mikey V went wide going into that off camber, and Tone tried to jam that inside line, and he got stuck. Dude, he got and stuck so by the whole everyone else. The whole sauces <laughs> team just like just checked him into the boards. It was like third, second, third, and fourth man in on that. It was it was insane. He dove that inside yeah. line. I think he was being a little a little gutsy, a little risky, but like only Cornier Van Kessel was able to squeak through. But like Mikey V had a twenty second lead, like instantaneously. I, I here's my thought, and this is, is probably crazy. Uh, left field. My thought was Tone did that on purpose because he thought that Camp was going to get in front of him. And there would be two sauces off the front, and he would have to chase. But by holding everybody up, then it was just Mikey V off the front, which was sort of like cutting off his nose by his face. But I, I don't know. Maybe that didn't work out. But I thought that he, it, it sort of changed the dynamic. There was only, you know, as opposed to two of them, it was just one. And then Corny got away. So now Corny's away. He's like, all right, well, now the sauces might have to chase again. Can we just go? Skip a little ahead to the to the back to the um, when they get onto the tarmac for lap two and get to the main the main point of this race, it being Wout Van Aert's return, and just like a roadie, he's like 14th, gets to the road section, puts in all those road skills because these road guys coming over to cross, and all of a sudden he's eighth by the time that they leave the road. You know, I mean, it's like. Do we need this in cyclocross? Is this is this really what we want? These these roadies coming over here and just just thinking that they can take over every time it's flat. So what I like that he did, I felt like uh, he did a really nice job being patient. Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, I think that that's a position that he maybe doesn't find himself in as much anymore because he was way back, um, and it was a fast race. I mean, I felt like there was some threat of something happening because it was the pace was just so high. Uh, in this race, but I thought both I thought both races he did a nice job being patient. Uh, he did the same thing at Tabor. I think he went from like ninth to like second uh, in the through the start finish, and he was just like like it was nothing. Um, so I don't know. To his credit, I think he did a nice job. Um, he we'll we'll get to it that he kind of ran out of gas, but like he's the Lucinda, you know, he's the Lucinda I, I know. brand of the uh, of the men's field <laughs> <laughs> until recently. Now that she races from the front, yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought that like he did what he needed to do. He got to the front. Uh, he put, he made, he, you know, he tried, he put in his effort to like, to break some people. Uh, it didn't really happen. Well, Vanter now um, gets out front, you know, off of that move and he's like gone and it's really wowed eventually that starts reeling him back in, you know, with his, with his two ducklings behind him. It's a uh, wowed and Ailey and, um, and uh, Lars Vanderhaar just tucked in behind him, just getting a free ride for a for a couple laps. And my my first question, you, you know, spoiler here, Ailey ends up winning this race. But my question for you all is, without a flat tire, Mikey V take this one too? I mean, are, are we discounting the the Mikey V um, streak that that could have been like three in a row had he um, not flatted in this race? I, I think so. I think he would have won it. I mean. You saw him, we'll see in the next day, just ride from the front the entire race. So I think that he's in Super Seas, he won the race before. He's got the form. He had the gap. I mean, it seems like Ellie in that race was playing the good teammate. Uh, you know, Squeak was nowhere to be found. Um, and he sort of, Ellie was basically just playing wow, you know, and it got the, like you said, got the free wide. So I, I think Mike would have won it um, beside that unfortunate flat. I think at one point, um, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Sporza commentator referred to Ailey as a Jack Russell. In, in this, race. I think that's his. I think that's his nickname. Is it? Yeah. So I'll go. I'll go the. I'll go the other direction. Yeah. Um, you said that Ailey was being the good teammate. Um, I. I mean, so this is like uh, by the time this comes out, 
we've launched a new thing. We have a, uh, a sub stack, a subscription newsletter, and we'll be talking about Wout Miss. Bill and I gotten a little uh, correspondence about Wout Miss. Uh, and I think Bill made an excellent point, and then I butchered it with a terrible analogy. Um, but I think Ailey really, really, really was like, hey, guys, this is all about Wout. I'm going to make you look at me. I think Ailey's trying to bridge that. I think Ailey came in this weekend looking to win both of these races, spoil Wout's party. And I mean, as Bill, you concluded, no one really, no one cared. Well, and, and the other thing is that, you know, we, we had we had a commenter who I think it is is justified in in thinking in wanting us to stop um, as as Zach does as well talking about messages and statements and uh, even after the race Ailey went on went on TV and said this was this was my this was a statement race you know like nobody gave me a gift I won this thing and we're like so what it's a you know it's an X two O race the the World Cup's the next day dude <laughs> also it, you're not wowed. <laughs> Like, sorry, I, I, you know, I, and he won't be, I mean, he won't. And maybe well, this is like the story of like his future of in cyclocross. He's never going to be wow. Unless he, I don't know. Wins tour stages, wins spring classics, wins monuments. Well, what about beaten wow? Is that worth anything? I mean, he's, he's, he's now beat wow. Well, he, he didn't, he, he's finished. He beat him. On Saturday, finished higher than him on uh, Sunday. Um, I mean, I brought this up earlier. When are we going to talk about this? Is the period of the Ellie period, right? The Ezer beat years. Um, when he wins this three is, world this championships. Is, okay, elite, all right, all right. As an elite rider, he's okay. So he he's now beaten a stronger Wout. Does not coming back from you know whatever leg surgery. Yeah, but he also um, has a m- two months of racing in on him. I think I think we're still still too early to see. Here's my other point then. Okay. And let's go let's go to Wout then. So Jay Pow says a podium for Wout would be a great start. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be a great start. Wait, isn't didn't Wout win three world championships in cyclocross? Didn't he just win two silver medals at the world championships this summer? Didn't he also win stages in the tour? Wout is kind of like a ridiculous athlete the flandering of the year is third is the podium really like a good start for a, a rider of that caliber so I, I i'm kind of like i have these two dualities when i think about wow but i just i thought that was pretty interesting i like it i like it i the, the main okay zach yes <laughs> well i actually agree with you michael and i i was kind of disappointed in the 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 grand scheme of woutness um but in a way my my perspective on it was i was hoping he'd come in gangbusters and be like wow Maybe this guy can beat Vanderpool, IDK, uh, which I, 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 I'm selling that. Um, but the thing is, is that Wout has won three world championships. Wout finished off the podium at Worlds for the first time in his career this past year when he finished fourth because Wout doesn't give a shit about November races. Like, I guarantee you, he's his pro, you know, whatever he's doing, his training plan is to like, start to get good in late December and be in win worlds. Like, you know, so, you know, I don't know. Ailey at the other hand, I sure seemed like this was his super bowl. I, it seems like he really, <laughs> and we'll get, we talk about Tabor, like he really wanted to win both these races. So we, before we leave, I feel like we're going to leave Koitrick. I have one question. Would Vanderpool won this race? Yes. It would have been harder than just because of the speed and how fast the race was. And he would have been, I think it would have been harder than maybe we expected. But I mean, come on. Isn't like the dude's won 49 of 50 races. Like he won off the third row at Tabor last year. Don't we just have to assume that he's going to win? Like, are you, are you, are are you, are you, are you buying Ailey v. Vanderpool stock? Are you, are you buying a buying Ailey right now? Okay. Okay. No, no, no. Then I have one okay. final question before we leave Hootrick. This is going to be a really quick one. Do we need to talk about Ingmar Utwilligan's uh, shoe? <laughs> Poor dude. <laughs> Shimano, huh? Yeah, but I mean, Dad, Dad, <laughs> have the shoes ready. You ne- you bring the shoes to the pit because you never know. Have the shoes ready. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, poor kid. All right. 
They're like, this is not Wout. It looks like him. Wow. Wout has a whole display of shoes set up for him that he can just roll by and grab if he needs them or not. So so we're going to we're going a long way. It's a long way. I think we take this for granted. And I wrote about this in a blog post that I whipped up on Saturday. Like we take it for granted that like Euro races are right next to each other. Right. And, you know, uh, cyclocross is the big best local series in in the world in Flanders. But Bill, you're showing the power of the CX Hairs media, uh, the hashtag Let Sana Fly. You put it out there on the internet, and not not a day later that Sven Van Turnhout was literally like sitting in the bathroom to Let Sana Fly. And, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that Ailey let her on, on his plane and and uh, gave up his gave up a and Sven Van Turnhout was good enough to give up a seat, so... Yeah, it all worked out. He didn't, I mean, he he gave up a seat. He just moved to a smaller seat. Like they could have gave. He could have not flown, and they could have put another Belgian woman on the plane. Now you're pushing it, Michael. Come on. <laughs> I mean, do they Whoa. not get crazy here? <laughs> what do they? What do they need Sven for? What does he do? I mean, He's well, drawn up game plans. What he doesn't do is uh, develop uh, Belgian women, evidently, because maybe <laughs> if there were a couple more on these trade teams, they would think, oh, maybe we should uh, get some of our teammates to go on this uh, um, plane with us. But it turns out all the Belgian teams, uh, women are Dutch, so they, they don't think about it, except for five. <laughs> did we figure out how, how did the Dutch women all get to, to Tabor? I mean, it wasn't a controversy. Did they all just do the camper van and like just suck it up and roll or did they get a charter flight too? I mean, I, I think that that's probably, probably what they did. Probably just slept and you know, somebody drove. Yeah. I saw Lucinda brand posting a photo of the legs up on the uh, dash of a, yeah. of a camper van. Yeah. It is funny. Cause we think about, you're absolutely right. Zach, you think about that. And then I just know from like the, the world cup mountain bike transfers where you're going from Italy to Andorra they're not next door to each other. You know, there are, <laughs> Europe is still big. It just turns out that Belgium isn't. And that's where all the cyclocross races are. And they truly are, you know, within an hour distance of each other. But yeah, it was, you know, we, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I want to get to the racing, but it was unconscionably unfair how, how the schedule set up for everybody who could not charter a jet to get from one race to the other and then the restrictions even to get into the Czech Republic and everything else it was just yeah I don't know mixed feelings on if those races should even occur yes well and we're gonna see that uh assuming knock on wood that we have a regular season next year I mean we had a world cup that was supposed to be in France we had a world cup that was in was there one in Ireland or something yes. this year? I mean, we're yes. going to be seeing. But for that and, one, but that was the reason. So even, even, okay. even better, like, Zach. To my really, point, really quickly, even better. That was the reason that we didn't have two in the U.S. Because all of the Belgian riders complained that, oh, we need a rest week. We can't go, you know, straight from the U.S. to Ireland and then to Belgium. So they nixed the second U.S. one so they could take that week off and then have the 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 one in Ireland and then then go back to euro land proper point being that i think this is going to happen more than once next year and i think we're going to see these disparities play out and it's clearly flanders classics has a lot of money uh, and they're clearly gearing it towards the bigger teams and they don't really give a, a hoot about it's going to be the real world a large number of these of these athletes the real world yankees versus the major league indians yes should we uh get into the uh world cup at Tabor and start with the women's race right at the front. You know, the last thing that we want to see just nasty crash uh, about midway through the pack. I mean, it was kind of like start and then turn right pretty, pretty quickly after the start. And that's, we're not really sure who got it wrong. The, the camera was a little late to swing over there, but the aftermath of it was, you know, Sharon Van Anroy got sliced by a, a disc had uh, Eva Lechner on the ground. You had uh, one of the one of Sonic Hans teammates. I, I don't know what her name. Low cells. Who was it? Oh, she was that Low cells? Yeah, okay, Low cells. Yeah. Who ended up with uh, Katie Compton's bike in her lap, and uh, yeah, just a nasty scene. And I, I think yeah, that, that 
Michael, you had the uh, you had the uh, the John Travolta <laughs> gif, which I think was perfect for Katie Compton, who couldn't find her bike. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. You uh, watching that replay? She immediately gets up and then she like goes to the right, thinking her bike just that's where it fell, and she like does this like um hang on wait a second uh and then <laughs> where's her bike and it was behind her on low cells yeah so i think that zach and you may have another idea but uh i think that being a trek sponsored athlete some of those little flash r3s i think that mark leg should be um putting on the front back maybe maybe some around the wheels and stuff just so she can locate <laughs> just so that there's a tractor beam she'll be able to like locate her uh her bike from now on yeah, he was too busy changing the bar tape in the frigid weather or whatever. He was new handlebars or something. I don't know. But yeah, I think you're, I mean, you hate to see that. Like, I mean, there's just nothing worse than a whole shot crash. I, they're the worst. Um, oftentimes, they're one person's fault and it ends up ending people's races. You know, Sharon Van Anroy had to spend the night in the hospital or a couple days in the hospital. Ava Lechner's hurt and now she's out. I, I don't know. I mean, they happen like you have that many people, but it's just you hate I, you really hate to see them. There's like nothing good to say about a whole shot oh, yeah, crash. No. Completely awful. Michael, though, uh, out front, getting away from it. The human heat check. Preen Clausel. Another 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 yeah. great race. Just sort of just sort of leading it out. But I, I think that this is sort of something that, you know, we were all talking about with the Hootrick race. It's like what's the game plan? I mean, we know that she's a good technical rider. What was the race that we saw her out front in a couple of the- Leuven. Leuven, where she's looking good and she can, she's skilled and she can get into these wooded areas and really open it up. But here it's just, just open racing. It was awesome to see. Uh, it, um, it had, uh, Ant McCross and all, all sort of flustered because he really wasn't sure who she was out there on the front. Uh, but, um, I don't know. I, I think it's. I, I think uh, even though it didn't really work out for her, I think that it's. Um, I like. I like seeing her take off at the beginning of these races, and, and I hope just much like we're talking with Yara and everyone else that she's able to to hang on um, longer in these races. I found the first two laps of this race to be weird. I thought they were weird, uh, given what we've seen. I mean, I think we've seen blazing fast starts. We've seen. Worse than Alvarado pushed the pace. And we got in this situation where Clausel was on the front. I mean, she was going fast, but like she wasn't fast enough to yeah. to really break anything up. Everyone just stacked up behind her. And we had like this massive group at the front, which kind of reminds me of like when when Women's Cross had its heyday, when you had like Voss and Compton and Brand and Helen Wyman, like maybe three or four years ago, we would just see these big groups. Um, you know, I think that's really kind of, what made women, you know, really put women's cross on the map recently. Um, but then in the next lap, it was Betsema and Betsema just does not have breakaway speed unless it's Beringen and a steep climb. And so again, it was just like this massive, it was weird. It was a very, like they were moving. It's a very fast flowy course, but like things that we've seen with certain riders pushing the pace and shattering things early didn't happen. And it was, to me, it was weird. <laughs> Don't you guys think, I mean, I had the same thought too, but then I was like, well, you know, maybe this is just because of the 11 hour drive and the hard race before, um, most, all the, the, the hitters at the front were the ones who were in Koitrick. Um, so I, I wonder if that was part of it. Um, but yeah, and this is, and this is sort of the, the thing that I saw with Tabor was like, right. So it was this course, like you said, Zach, it's flowy, it's open. You really can sort of like dry you can you can hit it hard but yeah there's there's nowhere to really make a difference um and then yeah you say that then lap three happened oh well i mean (laughs) we uh the ultimate for many many fans of of the media pit and fans of american you know here in the the anglosphere a real big you hate to see it moment occurred you just you hate to see it Really hate to see it. Can you talk about that section first? Because that was like, yeah, what, that was swell weird. was such a crazy section with like the light posts in the middle of it and everything. Well, it was, there was the, there was the light pole high line that was kind of like an off camber that you kind of had to hit the rut. Um, and then it seemed like there was some green on the far side. But like, as we saw with rider after rider, once you got in that swale, it was like, 
it was like Pandora's box. It was like the magic mystery swale. And you didn't know if you were going to end up being a Tom Pidcock, if you were going to be a Wout that one lap when he kind of made through it, the other one, if you're going to be a Tone Arts, or if you're going to be a Denise Betsema. Yeah. And get bodied into the fence by primetime. That was a that was, that was, a, that was a harder takedown than Deion Sanders ever made in his whole career in the NFL. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, also, also on on lap three, that's when you know our our star of the day and the person we've been talking about pretty much for the last couple of weeks, Lucinda Brand, decides. That it's it's kind of time she you know got her legs back or whatever or was just waiting for the right opportunity, and I I think at at that point as she is just taking off and uh, Alvarado is trying as hard as she can to stay on her wheel I just I just feel like Brand is composing this this um this thank you to to the Tabor uh, race organizers for building this track for her because it was just perfect. Like, she didn't have to do anything except... She she basically could have been starring on Nowhere Fast and been in a Zwift race and like, here's where I'm putting in the watts to kilogram and off we go. And off she went. I will say this, though. Uh, I'll ask you gentlemen a question. Are you guys concerned about Primetime's bike handling? Because she has been... She made two big mistakes here at Tabor. She had the one where she slipped out and then, I mean, and she was just suffering in the next lap. She biffed the, um, that steep riser. Like she had to dismount her. Like she, she had to put a foot down and that's kind of what gave brand. Cause she was still only a couple seconds back, uh, after one lap of the brand train, but she had the Hooger a moment at court trike. Um, she had the Neil, she biffed twice. I I'm getting kind of, I mean, she's for a rider, known for just being composed, making her move and crushing souls. Like she's been really error prone with brand. I think branch is putting her at her limit and she's making mistakes. That's what it seems like to me. That's what it seems like to me too. It's like the, it's not necessarily her technical skills It's her technical skills under pressure. And I, I think we saw it again in this race. When you're looking at her, you're like, she is just, you know, chin on the on her stem just giving it everything she can just to stay on that wheel and then when she gets to like the tabletop and gets to these little technical spots she's just not riding them cleanly and and making mistakes and i really think it is it is a result of her not being able to dictate the race and having to you know chase brand the whole time well and that goes back to maybe the second race of the season when i it was early but, I mean, it was just very clear that she was scared shitless of Lucinda Brand. And I think now that Brand is getting off to better starts, we're seeing the perfect manifestation of why she's scared shitless. Because Brand is stronger than her and Brand forces her into mistakes. And, frankly, Brand rode a very nice technical race. Like, she just had – like you said, she just had a this, – this is, like, the skills technically that Brand has developed is these flowy, open – cyclocross field riding corners like she's just totally got it dialed and like she just knows how to rock these um perfectly Anne marie worst she was out there she was the first one that was sort of bringing it back zach when you were talking about it all like piling up behind clausel and 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 being that big mass it was it really was worst who was able to do that but really after that another race michael another race without uh you know one of our perennial favorites in in the mix yeah, I mean, is is worst a, a subtopper? There, there's going to be a point. As much as we all hate to see it, that the 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 three at the top uh, are, have been more uh, Betsima instead of worst in that in that top three. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to like what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a lot of mechanicals and crashes. So like we're seeing these 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 instances where it's 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 not the legs per se we don't think it's it's incidents but you know what are they happening because she's tired and she's over her head we don't quite know so yeah a little perplexing sort of coming into mid-season i will say this um experience with this (laughs) um coming back off injury and whatnot 
um, and I've seen it before in other athletes and we know she was hurt is that you can really race well for like a month. Um, when you come back, you get into it, you do the intensity and then the wheels just come off. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I've seen it myself. I've seen it in other athletes who have come back from injuries. They have a great, like mid September, early October, and then things fall apart. And I kind of wonder, you know, with her being injured, if she's kind of at that place. And so maybe hopefully she can find a way to like reset, but it just, she just doesn't have it to stay, stay at the front. And again, I mean, she was in a, the mix with three riders and she fin- didn't, she, she finished fifth, right? Yeah. Should we, um, go to a voicemail? Hey, Bill, Michael, Zach, this is, uh, this is Tyler calling from just north of the border. And man, I, I, I just wanted to jump in here. I promise I won't go full Becky on you, but I just had a couple of questions. I just wanted to hear your, your take on it. And, uh, you know, starting with the men, uh, I, I've heard a lot of conversation about the sauces. You know, you got Lawrence, you got Mikey V, you got Ellie and, and who's the leader and, and all of that. And, I, I want to point out that the team used to be Sunweb Napoleon Games, and so it would only be fitting that Napo Eli is the leader of that team. And, and pulling on the Napoleon thread, or should, that, should I say Napo Elian, uh, are we starting to see the cracks? Is this, you know, Eli took them out to, to Russia, the Czech Republic, and, and now they're retreating back to, to West Flanders and I, I don't know. Are, are we starting to see the cracks in this in this team and, and the division? And, and soon enough, Ellie's going to be. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be exiled, but who knows? Um, but to 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 bring it back to the the road side of things, to make a comparison to the cycling world, I, I see. And I said this on Twitter that I see strong resemblance to to Movistar on the road. Um, so if if we're running with that comparison. Who's Mikey V in this scenario? You know, I'm, I'm assuming that Ellie is probably going to be Nairo. Um, Lauren, he probably could be Mikel Landa because he's, I think he's the oldest on the team. And, uh, or sorry, Lauren's could be, uh, uh, Alejandro Valverde. Uh, but, but you know, who's, who is Mikey V? Is he the confident teammate, Mark Soler, and he's just getting in his shot now? Or is he, or is he Mikel Landa? Is he is he laying the groundwork for a summer departure for greener pastures? Anyway, transferring over to the women, I mean, talk about horses for courses. You had uh, Lucinda Brand showing road fitness and on a Tabor course that's, man, I'll tell you what, that is uphill all the way uh, after the stairs, after the barriers. It's just constant climbing, and it's a diesel power course for sure. And I think we're trying to, you know, we're starting to see the, the fruits of Sven's influence uh, and of his labor kind of come to bear here. So uh, we'd love to hear, you know, on that, on that note, looking at all the different racers in the women's field, whose stock are you buying, selling, or holding at this point? You know, should we be buying Lucinda's stock as a, as a, a potential contender uh, come, come January and February? Or, uh, you know, are we, are we starting to sell Celine Del Carmen Alvarado's stock? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, she's come close, but she's had some mistakes. I don't know. I'll take my answer off the air. And uh, thanks for all. To, to, to start out and just put a capper on what we were talking about in the women's race. I'm, I'm with, I'm with Tyler on this. I'm, I'm buying Lucinda brand. I don't know if I'm necessarily selling Alvarado yet at this point, but I'm definitely filling out my portfolio with more brand stock. I mean, I think you have to buy it. I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I, I guess one thing that I, I like about uh, you know, the CX hairs and the community that we have is that people are very respectful and engage. And I wrote a blog post about Lucinda Brand, about her race at Merck Plus, because I thought she was just phenomenal uh, in that race and showed me a lot. Um, but I was saying that I was looking at her results and she had like, she had won six of eight races going into Bowen's at Worlds. Um, you know, and by all metrics, I don't remember thinking that she was going to win that race. Uh, I remember thinking somehow like, you know, cause Sonicant had won Degum in impressive fashion. We're like, oh, Sonicant's going to do a Sonicant thing. Or, you know, Voss is going for the record eight, like, you know, Betsima, we didn't, hadn't been busted for doping. We were excited about her plucky story. 
Um, but then, you know, a listener, a reader chimed in to say, no, we were all about her winning. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I maybe, I guess, but to sum this up, came back to, you know, part of her thing, part of the enigma. And one of our readers uh, recommended naming her Brand X because you just, she hasn't been able to win the big one. She hasn't been able to put together. But I think all signs point to her riding well. But I think she needs to prove to us that she can win before you go all in and be like, I'm putting all my chips on Lucinda Brand. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, getting back to Tyler's voicemail, Michael, you're our, you're our road expert here. I, I think you took issue with his comparison to Movistar. I did, yeah. I mean, he brought it on Twitter, and I, I, I responded immediately. I mean, the thing about Movistar is you can't compare the sauces to them because Movistar never wins. So, I mean, <laughs> the sauces have been running the cross table right now. I don't see that on the world tour, but I, I will engage with um, Tyler, and I think that I would say Squeak is Valverde because wasn't that his team? You know, and Ellie is is could be either... Uh, probably a Nairo, and then Van Turnout is sort of the Londa, sort of, you know, Nairo also came in thinking he was the leader, but then you have a Londa, or maybe a Solari, right, maybe a Solari, not the leader, but but getting wins and riding strong and having, and also playing the dutiful teammate many times, but then having to wait sometimes, so that, that's my thought. Um, but can I tell you who I'm buying and selling? Yes. I'm holding on to my Alvarado. I'm not selling. I am also holding on to my Bakker. I bought it cheap, so no need to sell. I'm probably going to cut ties with Yara. Sorry. Whoa. Oh, we forgot to mention that. So, um, I mean, Yara Watch was on. She was. She had a good start, but in that third lap on that off-camber when primetime was biffing into uh, Betsima, you could see Yara in the background, and I mean, she she was struggling. Oh, yeah, was she, she was struggling. Just... Like, and she just popped way. And I, did she finish outside the top ten, or she finished like ninth? But I think she finished tenth. Okay, um... but it was like, yeah, it was like a very Yara. She Yara'd that that off camber. So um, Yara Watch was engaged, and she did not you know live up to it she got the shout out from jpow jpow's like this could be a good yara course but it seems like that one feature kind of really did her in and she just was unable to to kind of bounce back from it yeah all right let's uh let's get into the men here in the last uh couple minutes that we have left oh my god <laughs> as we come up to our hour i g- going with what um tyler said i i will agree with the with the road comparison in this way, in that I think after they got off the jet and they got onto the team bus, and then they were pulling up to the to the course, and then they were having their you know team meeting on the team bus. So we've seen like in the movie star uh, documentary where we're, we get that inside look at the bus and everybody getting ready, and the the team directors up there giving his instructions for for the race, and much much like what. We were talking about uh, what you were talking about, Zach, with uh, Sven in his team meeting, and uh, Sven and sending T. Serrett's out there. I think I think that uh, Lawrence Weck he he got picked for breakaway duty on this race. It was like Lawrence, <laughs> you had a good run. This is really you know Mike and Ailey are going to be our uh, our co A riders on this, so we need you to set the pace from the beginning. Just go out there and and crush it and. And and that's that's basically what he did until until lap two when he flipped himself over his bars and and was no longer a factor. Yeah, Sweek Sweek. Um, I thought maybe that Sweek was saving the legs at Koitrick because he's not in the mix for the GC because that's a GC and wanted to come in strong. And we've seen him get off the front early in those races and him and Tone kind of doing the same thing again. But yeah, he uh, he he yard sailed. Yeah. Yara sailed over those barriers pretty good. Zach, talking about tone, you know, we were talking about the, the the tone strategy, you know, and it seemed like in the last couple races that he was was moving away from getting out the matchbook, you know, lighting one match and then throwing it into the book and lighting the rest of them uh, right away. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It was desperation. I don't know if he just thought he had nothing else to do. But 
he's he's basically covering every move and just trying to pull everything back and putting in a huge effort at the front way too early in this race. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to actually... <laughs> I'm going to yes and this one and say, sure. Uh, but the thing that I noticed that I want to talk about before we move past it is, is, is our guy Don. I mean, so he's an interesting guy, like interesting story. Don, uh, he was a lion and, you know, he did okay. And then he was Who a sauce. He wasn't a lion. Oh, you're right. He was a sauce. Fair. He was the first guy that's gone, like gone through everyone. Yeah, so now he's he's a container. And so, you know, I, he seems like a very nice guy. Like, I've interviewed him. He seems very friendly. Like, he finished third at Trek, and he's like, can we hurry this up? I got to call my mom. You know, like, just <laughs> seems like a good kid. But we saw at Beringen, he went out like gangbusters. He showed Tone how to do the descendy thing on the drops, and then Tone went on to win that. You know, at lap four, he just kind of looked at Tone was like, I'm out. You go ahead. You know, so did a solid for the lion. Tone goes on to win in this race. Mikey V gets a little bit of a gap and there's Don like acting like a sauce, just slow rolling the front of the pack. I was like, is Don now doing us? Does he is Don friends with everyone? Like, is that just his role to be like, oh, I like Mikey V. I'll, I'll just slow roll him. Oh, I like tone. Like, you know, I is Don the nicest guy in Belgian cyclocross. Okay, so I love how that I interpret as Don was trying to go hard, and that was just the speed. <laughs> sure, like, sure, sure. <laughs> hey, one thing I did want to talk about uh, I, last I, I need I need a, an errata. Um, last week, I I commented that the equalizer for Wow, who doesn't like to ride planks for the Tabor course was that he'd be a, every, they were so high that uh, everybody would just be running them. He was forced to ride these like super high planks because it's just something that everybody does now at speed, you know, other than Lawrence who got it wrong, but just like insane. And those things, they're like the electronic ones. So they're, you know, there's, they, they aren't like two inches wide. They're more like six to eight inches wide. Just, just I don't know. They scared me every time they were going through that section. You were you were scared. How do you think Team Jumbo feels? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Like their team manager every time is like, "Ooh, wow! Well, do you have to do that?" And he, he doesn't look good when he does them. So I. So we got just we got to talk about the thing. I mean, I think that I think that the, the thing everyone probably wants us to talk right. about uh, the thing that occurred, the sauces. I, Bill, what do you say? I, I you know, there were some commentators out there were like, oh, they have a lot of respect for one another. <laughs> um, so I, I, but I went back and watched this, and so we had we had Van Turn out off the front, and so what had happened when when Ailey did his thing is like Tone was on the front, and they're going through the start finish, and he gave not just like a flick, he gave a giant hand, like someone please get to the front, and while it's like <laughs> no, and Corny Van Kessel's like <laughs> no, and I think Ailey saw. That and he's like, well, I don't want to slow roll with these dudes for the rest of the race. And then he's just like, is that what happened, or did he? I don't, yeah, I, I don't think that he was really. He, he didn't. As much as we want to be like, come on, Ailey, just be a good dude here and let your let let your guy go. He it wasn't like he was dragging anybody with him. You know, right. I, I think you're right. Once he went, it was like nobody was going to get Ailey's Ailey's wheel. I mean, wow. Wout was looking around for the the cusp bus, which was just nowhere to be found. <laughs> trying to jump on that thing to bring him back to the group, and it just wasn't wasn't happening at that point. But I, but I have to say that once Ailey was not to not to give him too much of a pass here. Once he was free and clear, he didn't just let Vantern out bask in the glory of being able to ride to his first elite World Cup win. He basically was like, dude, we're racing and we're going to be racing hard. <laughs> and credit, you know, to jump to the end, credit to Vanter now for just putting Ailey in his place. I mean, he rode him into the ground. It was it was amazing to watch. And I'm, I, I'm, I thought I was going to come with a hot take and said that Ellie's move was a smart move because he didn't want to be with them and he wanted to get second and he knew that he could drop them, but you guys all had it covered. So, wow. Um, but yeah, to see, to see Ellie 
bridge that move. And and Ellie is going, you can just see how hard Ellie is going. Like you said, Bill, early, he really wants to win this. This is about him. He's dropping Wout again. Um, but he catches Vanternout, and Vanternout drops him. And that was amazing. That That's why I thought that Vanternout could have won Koitrick because the, the amount of form he's on right now. He just rode away. He rode from the front the entire time and rode away from Ellie. And the one one thing, yeah, the one thing that I did see that similar to what we saw in the women's race with Alvarado, you know, brand forcing Alvarado into mistakes. If you watched Ezerbeet's lines once he caught up with Vanternout, they weren't good. I mean, there was an established line down the middle that was absolutely faster and then there was longer grass to either side especially like after the planks and after some squirrely turns Ezerbeet always missed the fast line down the middle and was always pushed to the side which means that he was even working harder to try to get back onto that wheel and Vanternout just had that thing dialed the whole time yeah so I was watching this before we recorded and again shout out to Jeremy Powers but I, I feel like he had a very Tony Romo moment like he called Van Turnout's, he called his attack to a T. He's like, Van Turnout's going to attack over these planks and he's going to go. And like, lo and behold, that's what he did. And uh, Ailey stuck with him for a bit, but Van Turnout attacked the entire second half of the lap. And, you know, Jeremy also pointed out that Ailey was probably kind of gassed from bridging. And so, uh, you know, I give the Tony, Tony Romo uh, calling the play before it happens award to, to Jeremy Powers because he just, he had it nailed. He, he had, then turned out to move nailed. So I was impressed. Uh, so one thing, another thing, Bill, that you pointed out, um, you know, you were talking about lines. One thing that I noticed, and we talked about Wout being the consummate coach's son, I was watching some of the lines that he was taking, especially at the beginning of the lap through some of the ups and downs. And he was taking... Um, trying some interesting stuff. I know there was like the sharp turn into that um, that steep riser, and he was kind of taking a wider line and hitting it on the left side. So I think that was some of that coach's son. I mean, I guess maybe that's part of what you can see with some of these camera angles and not having the fans is just like watching the lines that Wout takes. And I guess it's not a surprise. Like he's not just a roadie who's out there like blowing up cyclocross. Like it seems like he actually studies he does his homework, like everything, studies the game. And I, for me, it was just a cool moment to see, like, oh, like, you know, wow, you know, what we talked about, your thing, the coach's son. He's the coach's kid, like, just trying to find those good lines and learning, you know, momentum and stuff like that I thought was pretty neat. Except for in Pandora's off-camber. And I, you guys, poor Tone. He just... He- Tone gets completely mud, <laughs> and he's just like, he's just, you know, so Wout is going through there and just gets like, like cat five squirrely. I mean, his, he's going back and forth and just careening from high to low. And Tone's just like, dude, what are you doing? And he just, and that one of those times backs just has, Tone has nowhere to go. And, uh, and, and Wout just takes him out. And then it's like, if you didn't love Tone Ertz enough, they're asking him at the end, you know, that we get our it's UCI race World Cup, so official language of the World Cup is English, so they're they have to, even though they try to stick some Dutch questions in there, they have to ask some English questions at these races. And they asked him about it. I was like, Well, what's going on with Wow? And he's like, Hey, we were riding together really well. We were helping each other out. It was a great race, you know. It just it just happens, you know. It's, it was unfortunate, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm like, dude, you were just the nicest person ever. Right. And he did say, I'm happy, I'm happy to get fourth. And we all were like, oh, wow, come on, Tone. But then you're like, actually, fourth at a World Cup, right now, the way he's riding, pretty good for Tone. So, Yeah, I hope he gets back up there. I hope so, too. It's, it's probably also, you know, it was Pitters Palooza. Uh, there was a hot second. I, I was hopeful. So, so Pitters was like... That fest was bunk. You sold me some... He was in ninth. He was bridging, and then he really fell victim to Pandora's swamp. I did. I I I was uh, when I was watching the replay. I was able to pipe into the um, UCI uh, broadcast, and I I have all the respect for Anthony McCross and what he does is very hard, especially for one person. But I did laugh at one point because he is, he's a Brit. 
He he knows that that people are you know that his countrymen are watching and they want to know about pitters and everything and they and the when uh, Vanternout started like making his move off the front you know the first time to get away from the group uh, McCrossin was like well you know he's probably he probably sees like Pitcock coming back and wants to get away and I'm like Pitcock is the last guy he's thinking about he's got Wout Van Aert there he's got his own freaking teammates there he's got Tone Aert there he's not worried about Pitcock. Pid who? <laughs> so I enjoyed that moment. That's like, man, that's like some like local high school basketball level homerism. You know, like those random, you're driving down a country road and you're flipping the station and you pick up the rando, you know, guy who's an insurance salesman calling the, the local college or high school basketball <laughs> game kind of homerism. Wow, yeah. that's impressive. It was good. It was good stuff. I enjoyed it. Anyway, we got anything else we got to talk about in this men's race? Let's say, Zach, don't pretend we don't engage in massive homerism on this show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are all state. It comes to that. <laughs> tough but fair. Tough but fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Hey, um, I did want to just quickly mention as we close up here, uh, Michael alluded to it. Uh, we do have this new new project that we started, which is the CX Hairs Bulletin. Um, which we would love for you to check out. There's a, there's going to be links in the show notes to it. Basically, we're trying to get all of the cyclocross news and analysis and videos and all the stuff that you want, start lists and results, and, and Zach and I kind of going back and forth, uh, chatting with each other via, via text that um, we're going to send to you in your inboxes. And um, uh, we're pretty excited about it and would love to have you all come along for the ride. Yes, please do. I think it's going to be fun. I'm pretty. I I'm pretty stoked. I've never been more excited for a December uh, during a pandemic when we can't go anywhere. Um, so at least we'll try to fill it up with some some cross content for you. Awesome. All right, guys. Good one. Let's do it again next week. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds, but we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. <laughs>